welcome to episode 237 of the Yellow Wall Pods. Messed that up. And uh, yes, it's not going to be the award show that we have promised. That's because Borussia Dortmund budged in. And uh, exactly no one that Lucien Favre will be the next coach starting July 1st. A two-year deal that to introduce three other guys to discuss the new appointment. First and foremost, Lars Poemann. Hello, Lars. How Hello, 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 Stefan. I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> Very well. Also here, Matthias Zuck. Grüezi zusammen. It's there with theme, and uh, I wonder how his wife will perceive that. Remember yeah, correctly. that's correct. And from Berlin, Luca Giel. Hey, Luca. How hello, Stefan. I'm doing fine. How about you? doing very well myself thank you so yeah who wants to take it away i guess i don't know you matthias what are your initial thoughts on lucien Favre? is it the right choice is it the best choice what do you think um well i think uh what was stated the other week the best choice in a vacuum <laughs> no i mean an excellent choice overall um tactically very astute Uh, manager he's been successful everywhere he's been he's also been less than successful everywhere he's been over time not the supposedly not the easiest personality to deal with and obviously the way he left Gladbach kind of left a bad taste in everybody's mouth including my own um, but I, I tend to remain optimistic I think he's the right choice in the current situation and climate that uh, Dortmund are in also in terms of getting them to play in a specific style and way, which is something we were obviously complaining about and that was missing. So no no surprises in overall of who was available out there right now, I would say the best choice. Yeah, I think we can raise our expectations a little bit higher than seeing Stöger by season. Uh, same question over to you. Yeah, almost the same answer, I would say. Uh, <laughs> on of, of the managers available on the market especially for a club of Dortmund size uh, so no Antonio Conte is also coming over to Dortmund I think he was probably the best choice uh, they needed to get someone I think after the debacle that was the appointment of Peter Bosch who uh, they know what they can expect of who knows the Bundesliga very well who's shown to be a very good manager at this level um, I think There might not be too much upside with him. I don't know if he's the kind of manager that can get you, uh, I don't know, to the Champions League semifinals or whatever. But the the baseline with him, just because of his prior knowledge of the Bundesliga, he knows some of the players very well. Uh, and his level of tactical acumen or whatever you want to call it, uh, I think the baseline is pretty high. So... Uh, for for what they are planning to do in terms of the squad overhaul and and readjusting some of the mistakes I guess they made over the last few years uh, having someone like him to oversee it uh, is is a probably a good choice but maybe it's not as exciting as appointing someone like Peter Bosch was last year but then again we all had some reservations towards him and those were justified so all in all a solid choice Uh, maybe a bit boring, but boring can be quite good. <laughs> yeah, boring can sometimes be exciting. Luca, also first reaction from you? Yeah, I can have not much to add, basically. Um, I'm not excited about uh, Favre, but uh, I would still say he's the best uh, coach available. Um, we know what we are getting, and uh, that's solid football, sometimes good football. Although... Um, What might be interesting is that this is probably the best squad um, Favre has ever worked with. 
so maybe we'll see some more um, possession football and maybe he won't defend as deep as he did in Gladbach and uh, Nice for the most of his time. So maybe we'll see something else from him because he has better players now. But yeah, thank you. Um, and I, I guess before we take a deeper dive in uh, what the style of Lucien Favre is and what his uh, upsides and downsides are, Matthias, we have regularly criticized Borussia Dortmund for lack of, let's say, footballing philosophy. At least in, in my view, it's the club that should identify and, and lay out what sort of uh, playing style of brand of football they will see and then hire the coach accordingly. If we think back to last summer... We had Julian Nagelsmann, Lucien Favre, Peter Bosch and Peter Stöger all as, as candidates for that vacant position and quite clear the sort of overall strategy should be think that the club itself has found something like that sort of brand of football that they want to play or do you simply take Favre as the best option? Well, I think it's a combination of multiple. I mean, if you look at the candidates you just listed and if we grade them, you know, one to ten, ten being the most Tuchel-like tactically and, you know, uh, one being the least, obviously Stöger was was the least. Uh, I, I would say the next step up from that towards more Tuchel-like was probably Bosch and then you have Favre and then finally Nagelsmann. Uh, so they've definitely gotten a lot closer to what uh, tactically they were doing and evolving first under Klopp and then under Tuchel, uh, which obviously took a massive step back la this last season for, for many, many reasons, some of them pragmatic and it's just, just what happened. Um, but in this case, I think they definitely got uh, it all back on track. And we also can't completely discount that if for some reason it doesn't work with Favre. If Favre becomes more difficult than expected or anything like that, you know, there is the opportunity to look at Nagelsmann after this next season, which I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern are doing the same thing with Niko Kovac coming in. Um, and so it's kind of a, the, I would say this is as close to no risk as you can get in football, because obviously it's never completely no risk, but it's definitely lower risk than what was there before. And I think it'll, uh, the players, the team will quickly get back to uh, playing proper football, as it were, as we would like, as we define it, maybe not as some other clubs define it, but certainly as Dortmund supporters you define. And uh, so I'm, I remain optimistic that they have made the right choice in the right direction. All right. Actually, a personal question to you, Lars, and, and then the same one to you, Luca. Um, if you were in the front office of Borussia Dortmund, what kind of a brand of football would you actually choose for this? Uh, kind of a loaded <laughs> question. Um, Why? I, I mean, you can't break down a philosophy to, I don't know, or in a, in, in, in a 20 second snippet. So I, I'll try to keep it short and, Obviously, uh, regular listeners know that most of us here, if not all of us, uh, would prefer Dortmund to be dominant on the ball, uh, embrace possession rather than try to hide themselves. Uh, as I said, be dominant, attacking minded, going forward with force, quickness, ingenuity. I, I can basically list all these great buzzwords, but I think everybody kind of understands from regularly listening to us what we kind of want, what in, in the last few years, they probably came closest uh, during the second half of the first season of Thomas Tuchel, uh, when they had obviously a lot of players that were very much capable of uh, performing those 
quite difficult individual tasks. So I don't know if, if holding the team that is being put together as we speak to that standard is necessarily fair towards them, uh, just because uh, Dortmund are unlikely to get players of, of the caliber of uh, Hummels, Gundogan, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, Dembele, and, and all these other guys. So I think with Dortmund being maybe a top 15 side in Europe, but not better than that, uh, it, it might be more of a case of building an identity each and every year, and that can possibly be different from year to year just based on what personnel is available. So, for example, for next season, it, it seems quite obvious that Dortmund are placing a very high value on the mental side of things, you know, the the, the group capabilities of, of some of these players and, and not necessarily only looking at what they can do on the football field. So uh, it, it might be that this side is coming up for next season under Lucien Favre for his first team is going to be more about discipline, uh, mentality and, and, and less possibly at least about, you know, the kind of dominant football that we want. But ultimately, I think what appointing Favre means and what getting Matthias Sommer as an external consultant and all these other personnel decisions, I think Dortmund just want to win and, and want to give themselves the best chance to win. And that might be or might not be playing the kind of football that we would like to see, especially early on. Well, maybe that would be the kind of football where you play like Schalke. Um, Luca, do you do you have have a certain uh, pedigree of football that you aspire to? If you were Borussia Dortmund, would you also take a little pragmatic approach and um, yeah, form our brand of players that we have? Um, I kind of think basically every coach is, has a pragmatic point of view because they all want to win and they 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 are playing the football they think it has gives them the best chance to win and that's pretty pragmatic but um other than that basically just play like under club in the big games and play like uh, under Tuchel in the in the smaller games uh, that would be ideal but that's obviously that's obviously tough to do but generally i think dortmund is the favorite in uh, almost every bundesliga game and they will have most or much of the ball maybe like 60 percent um, between 50 and 60 percent so they need to know what to do with the ball and i think that's that should be you know there should be em emphasis throughout the youth teams on that um which you can kind of see in the under 17 team um which a lot of people really like uh they put a lot of emphasis on playing with the ball um playing flat passes you know have a good structure um with the under 19s not so much and i don't know um further down it's tough to watch matches they don't really play for the public um but that's that's something i would like to implement in the youth just because that's i think that's the toughest thing in football every team knows how to defend in a in a 4-4-2 somewhat decently not as good as like atletico or so But every player kind of knows what to do there. But not every player is good when the spaces are narrow and they don't have much time on the ball and they need to find solutions quickly. And that's that's where I would put uh, emphasis on in the youth. And uh, as last said in, for the first team, I, I think they want to win. But when you hear Matthias Sommer speak about football, he hates how the Bundesliga is playing right now. Um, he hates that teams aren't playing football, um, that they're just hoofing it, like Schalke, for example. Um, and I think he wants to implement 
a short passing game, something like a plan from building up from behind. You have a clear structure, you know what to do. And, uh, yeah, that's something I would like, um, for the next season already. Um, the group mentality is obviously also important, but there are still enough players at Dortmund who are good football players. And that's basically where the, where the strength is compared to other Bundesliga teams. And you have to use it. You, we are not, or Dortmund is not the most athletic team, at least before transfers. And they are not, uh, yeah, they have other weaknesses, but they are good football players in that team. And that's what they should use. Yeah, I would certainly agree. Yeah. I mean, Matthias Sammer was really insightful in that sense, uh, interview to the Rasenfunk. He basically said that Schalke can only be second this league because in general saying that apart from Bayern, more football against the ball. So reference Dortmund team in crisis of identity said that the best teams all play possession football or try to be proactive with the ball, what the Bund aspire to. I'm very confident that uh, Dortmund and Favre. Luca, you already mentioned the short passing scheme. I, I think that's that's one of the the main yeah points of I don't know one of the main features in Favre. So Matthias, can you describe what exactly Lucien Favre does as a manager? Style is well, I mean it's it's changed a little bit over time. Um, I mean I remember at Gladbach it was a lot of four four two or a four four one one ish type system that an attack looked a lot like a four two three one, and then at Nice now even though. I've seen 442. I've seen a lot more what what looks a lot more like a 433. But um, you know he's he's solid defensively. Um, I think that's that's clear. Even with a, a you know like a, a two man midfield pairing like he had with Kanijaka and Christoph Kama, uh, they they were very solid in central areas with or without the ball. And I think that was always a, a key key part of his game. He was, you know, he benefited from from pacey wingers, creative players like Raphael or Marco Royce, um, and somehow taming the beast that is Balotelli uh, to actually play well, and somehow getting consistent defensive performances out of Dante, both at Gladbach and now more importantly at Nice um, after he got expelled from from Bayern. You know, it's I, I never saw it as high paced um attacking football in that sense significantly more patient in the build up um I'm not going to say slow but uh let's just say not heavy metal uh we're not going to we're not going to see <laughs> Liverpool on the pitch next season probably a lot more uh like Tuchel was in many ways you know the Tuchel sides weren't high pace you know they they slowed it down more often than they did under Klopp uh, whereas Bosch obviously was all going forward all the time and with Stuttgart nothing was going anywhere most of the time um so it's it's kind of a little bit more Tuchel like than Klopp like in that sense so those are the things that i remember from his time at Gladbach uh that always impressed me it was always very calm never seemed um, I don't know. It, you know, Gladbach under him never really seemed like they were in a state of panic, even when they were dead last in the Bundesliga and beat Dortmund. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And one. and so that that for me is the key thing behind it. It is more patience, more being more solid, not panicking, and trying to control the ball a little bit more, but in a in a, a slower, more methodical way, which I think he has some of the right type of players that could do it, like a Gutso or Kagawa and so on, uh, or a Vaiga behind him. So that there are a lot of players already in those types of roles that he seems to favor. 
Yeah, definitely. I've um, obviously written a piece for ESPN on, on Favre and it can't be, you know, it's not online yet. It's probably also not online when uh, when this podcast comes out because I have to trim it down because I'm 400 words and to be around a thousand, <laughs> slightly overshot. <laughs> Um, however, I, I, um, was reading, um, a piece of, um, Dustin Ward, Saturdays, Saturdays on couch, known from stats, etc. And, uh, he was writing in 2015 already about, um, how Favre's team basically overperform in expected goals in the sense that, uh, they perform drastically in the attacking and defensive department. There's a similar piece, um, in, in 2017, look, defense of a similar, yeah, it comes to a very similar conclusion. It's kind of interesting how, how uh, yeah, it sort of defies the expected gold. I have looked expected gold stats myself in 2018. Yeah. Also, quite interesting is that like the last season four was just 0.56 under the expected, most against the four conceded basically. So that was really, really accurate. But over the course of so many years, he basically was over the expected value. 50 goals under would have been expected of conceded goals, which uh, would have been 300 goals, but uh, goals in, in the league, um, which is sort of interesting. And, and Dustin Ward and basically highlights that the expected goal model has a weakness. It doesn't really account for opponent's pressure. And he describes how, how Gladbach has a very low block. As Luca already mentioned, they award their opponents a lot of uh, possession, a lot of freedom also in their own final third and uh, really only get uh, yeah into action defensive when they uh, yeah when approaches the dangers of goal that they are lasted block shots and so that's one of the reasons why uh, yeah Gladbach and Nice have considered significant expected and the offensive it's it's also really interesting to see that Gladbach take a lot of shots from a very long range like they average Nice average around 20 yards or so from outside the box of shots uh, which is very uncommon for a side that competes for the Champions League spots or it's usually in the, in the range of teams that just cannot really um, yeah build that sort of uh, combination play in front of golf desperate it's it's interesting that Favre also values unlike Tuchel for example, a shot from range as long as uncontested shot. He thinks that uh, as there is no pressure in your face that can take a shot and quite successful is why he's attacking sense. We wonder what kind of impact that will have on Dortmund because in Dortmund's team right now, I just don't see too many players that can have a, that or that actually have a good shot from range. And, uh, yeah, I think we collaborate on it later, but, um, Lars, who has a good shot from range in, in, in Dortmund's side? And do you think that's an approach that you translate to Dortmund? Or do you think you uh, should try more, find a tap in? First of all, I'm I'm thankful <clears throat> that you gave us all the 2,400 words just now instead of uh, having us wait <laughs> for for your piece whenever it comes out. No, it's, it's way longer than that. Uh, worry, yeah, I mean, uh, it's nice to go for the tap-ins if you have PM like Aubameyang, who might be the best in the world at doing that. Uh, it's different when right now the only quote-unquote natural number nine or whatever you want to call uh, Alexander Isak, uh, when he's the only guy on your on your squad at, uh, as of right now for next season, probably not a good idea to uh, hang all your hopes in the goal-scoring department on, on your central striker. So it makes some sense, uh, as you pointed out, it's, it's not just having a goal from distance just for the heck of it it's basically uh when when you have a shot on and it's a it, it's a decent look on goal you might as well take it and i think there are some players in dortmund squad who can do that uh chief among them obviously marco Reus, but also uh 
maybe his one good quality as of right now in Andre Schöle, uh, Rafael Guerrero, if he's still there, he's a really good shot from distance, uh, good free kick taker as well. Nuri Shahin, yeah, Nuri Shahin, uh, Andrea Molenko, uh, Maxi Philip. So I think there are a couple of options here and there. Uh, but, Feigl, but, obviously. but yeah, but <laughs> only if it's against Gladbach or, uh, Lissabon. Uh, but, um, I mean, we, Luca made this point earlier. We also have to take into account that Favre has never had this level of quality in his, in his team. So whatever we saw at, at Gladbach wasn't the same at, at Nizza. Uh, for example, at Gladbach, he doesn't, it didn't really play real strikers. And when he had Luke de Jong, he didn't know how to use him. And then at, at Nice last season or the last two seasons, he helped uh, Mario Balotelli get back on track, who's a proper number nine and also played Alassane Player. Uh, in the center quite a lot, who's more of a natural striker despite his lack of stature than someone like Maxi Philip, for example. So And very much linked with him. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, actually. But um I, the point I'm trying to make is just because Favre was this at Gladbach, this at Nice, uh, this is a whole different animal. And, and there are so many people who know Favre very well uh, from Switzerland, some of the tactics community and whatever, they are all really excited to see him with this kind of squad. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if what we saw with Dortmund was quite different to what he did with Gladbach, especially, and also Nice in the last couple of seasons, just because the, the talent level is higher, uh, the, the financial opportunities uh, are much better to, to get players uh, that he never had before. So... Uh, in in that sense, it is more exciting than I said it was earlier. Yeah, to add to that, I uh, talked about this low block where uh, basically they just congest that area in front of the goal mouth and, and lock shots and whatnot. And Matthias, do you think that's a defensive approach we will see from from Dortmund again? Or do you think uh, Fabio will have a different idea? I know that's a bit speculative, but I don't know. Go ahead. That's not going to stop you from asking the question anyway. Um, no, no. <laughs> well, that's that's our job, quote unquote job, right? Is to speculate at this point. Um, I think it can be, but he needs different players. Um, I don't. I don't <laughs> see. Um, you know, it really depends on what he wants to do. You know, if he's going to play a three-man midfield with a, a single deep-lying pivot, or if he's going to play with a, a double pivot, uh, like he did with Gladbach. If it is the former, well, then you have Weigel and, you know, uh, Götze is not bad in defensive situations, but you maybe need to pair him up with somebody else. So there still needs to be someone else. I don't see Dahoud being that someone else. I don't necessarily see Shahin being that someone else. And if it's a double pivot, okay, you technically still have Weigel, even though he doesn't perform that well in double pivot. But then you still need someone else next to him uh, who, who can be that. Because if we think about... You know, when he was very successful with that, at Gladbach, he had Jaka, uh, who was kind of a more playmaking type-ish player. And then, of course, Christoph Kama, um, who's more the Sami Kadira type player. And I don't see either one of those types in the current Dortmund roster that we have today. So if he wants to bring that in, which I... I wouldn't be opposed to, then there need to be some personnel changes, at least one personnel change in that regard uh, that you that you utilize for that. Yeah, I also just don't see a lot of time last ditch from the center Baluka. If you think of uh, that theory, that you have a positive or rather negative feeling. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking for my mental health, it wouldn't be good if he if he stayed with that low block because I I get a nervous breakdown every time. The opponent has a shot, basically. But um, I don't 
I don't think he'll play as deep as he did with Gladbach or Nice. As, as Lars said, um, he, or as we all said, basically, he pretty much changed uh, his approach from Gladbach where he uh, stuck with that 4-4-2 basically the whole time. Um, in Nice, he's playing sometimes uh, three at the back. This season, mostly 4-3-3. So he's, he's adapting to, to the players he has. And in that regard, he's, he's kind of similar to Tuchel, I would say, who, who also didn't have a clear formation he wanted to play like Bosch had. Um, so I think he'll adapt his strategy as well because none of the Dortmund players are really good at defending deep. I mean, if he's a wizard and can teach them in like, I don't know, three weeks or so how to defend deep properly, then okay, go for it. But at most of the players are not, don't excel at that. Let's, let's take Schmelzer, for example. His, his biggest quality is, I would say, counterpressing and not allowing opponents to turn towards goal. And uh, he has, where he can do that is high up the pitch after, after losing a ball. And, uh, I would say, I mean, top work is okay in, in his own box. And Akanji looks pretty good at everything, basically. And, uh, I'm not sure about, about Piszczek, what he's really going to be good at next season. He's just getting really old and his hips, you know. I, I, we'll see about that. And, and what Matthias said about the defensive midfielders, they, they aren't the most robust ones and they are known for blocking shots and all that stuff. So we'll see about that. But since you have been talking about blocking shots, I, I read an interesting article from, uh, Christoph Biermann, I think is his name in Elfreunde. Um, and he said, uh, father coaches his players. Um, basically which foot or which leg to use to block shots so they have a better angle um, for blocking shots and he even teaches that to like the highest caliber players national players national team players and all that so he he puts uh, you know emphasis on those little things which foot to use in which situation defensively so maybe he can you know uh, get some of the players to to a new level in that regard but i i would hope he doesn't sit as deep as he did with Gladbach, especially. Well, I mean, if you want to use of last-ditch effort, it's very important then. <laughs> but Matthias, maybe maybe back to the um, build-up scheme. You already said it'd be slow, and if which pass distance uh, is of their average shot distance, but it's very, very uh, short. And if I remember of Gladbach and Favre, I see a lot of combinations where they a, have a really, really good ball retention, build up slow, but also the, the passing itself is rather quickly of one touch football, a lot of spacing, positional play. Do you think this will be a complete shock to Dortmund's players after, uh, yeah, half a season of Peter Stöger, who basically was standing the training, uh, hands in his pockets, very far, far deserving what going on, but felt like he think that's, uh, going to be, let's say, a, a different, yeah, mental setting for the players that they have to smarten up again? Um, you know, I, I give the players a little bit of credit there. I think uh, for for those that were there still from previous season with Tuchel uh, and even under Bosch, who's, you know, in, in his coaching was significantly more involved than Peter Stöger and more looked more at certain details. I don't think it's going to be a massive shock. Yes, it's going to be after a little bit of rethinking, but, you know, you've got a summer, you've got a break, you got some vacation, come back with a fresh mind. I think his his style in that buildup, uh, also with the short passing and so on, uh, suits quite a few of the players uh, that, that are already there because they were recruited to play that essential style uh, under Tuchel and so on. Um, so I don't think it'll take 
massively long. I think actually the learning curve to go to Bosch first and then Stuttgart was more than now going going to Favre. So I'm a little more optimistic in that regard. Well, I personally feel like this might be Dortmund, one of the, the best weapons in the Bundesliga. They can actually pass it. It's very quick and find all footballing since just to play around pressing. In the pressing Liga, if you have an answer that, to that, you're almost unbeatable. And uh, obviously that also had a lot of why Gladbach in Bayern's boogie team. Because they had a good ball retention when Bayern became a pressing team in a way also down to last do you do you think this is um going to be become a little bit more direct under Favre or or this coaching style at, at Dortmund that uh, simply because he will find better technically gifted players so combination be flowing and hence less there will maybe less um yeah priority on on keeping the ball but rather they find space quicker to progress it forward or do you think that possession is all defending yeah i think we need to differentiate between adapting and going against your core beliefs uh, and i think part of farfa's core belief system is uh, what you just said having the ball as a defensive mechanism and you know uh, i mean structure is really paramount for him and compactness in defense and structure uh, going forward so i would assume that it's still going to be I, I don't want to say slow. I want to say deliberate, maybe, uh, you know, careful, whatever you want to call it, basically. Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, just that more deliberate than under Peter Bosch, for sure, uh, than under Klopp <laughs> as well. And, you know, the, the directness, I, I could see it, but we also have to take into account the, the transfer rumors we are getting right now. There aren't a lot of players whose calling card per se is, you know, strength on the ball in a technical sense. It's more athleticism, dynamism, uh, and, you know, mentality or whatever with the likes of Thomas Delaney, Marius Wolf, uh, even Dominic Heinz in defense and some other names uh, that have been mentioned. So uh, I think it's still going to be closer to what we saw with uh, Gladbach, uh, just because also it makes sense, as you mentioned, in the in a Bundesliga that is very much a league that defines itself and prides itself, sadly enough, uh, on the on on pressing basically and pressing counter pressing is what all Bundesliga two teams do at a sufficiently high level. Anyway, uh, I think it makes sense to go against the grain with that, and that is to be more deliberate. Uh, take your time. Don't allow. Uh, the other team to get into those counter-pressing situations. So I would assume it's still going to be that, but on a higher level because of the, the talent level of the players. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be expecting him to change, you know, who he is as a manager. And that is someone who's very, uh, who, whose focus is very much on structure and compactness. So. Matthias, I will ask you because you're simply the oldest among, maybe have the best memory, but, uh, <laughs> thanks. How did you, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, I'm just stating the facts here as always. Um, how did you perceive Favre at Hertha and then at Gladbach from an off the pitch standpoint? Yeah. Uh, well, you're touching on the, 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 I'd say the sole yet massive concern that I have. And, and that is exactly that. Um, You know, he, he didn't exactly have a, an outstanding sophomore campaign at Hertha. Um, and, and, uh, you know, then going to Gladbach, where I'd say he had his biggest successes, just given where he took them over and where they are now. Um, 
I would say, and and how he left the club and and really left everybody in the lurch. And you could almost tell that when he left, that Max Ebel was not just shocked; he was saddened. It was almost like he was heartbroken, like his girlfriend broke up with him. Um, and that, I'm there's a concern there. He's not the easiest person to deal with, which is oftentimes typical of people that are very intelligent and very very astute at what they do. Look at Thomas Tuchel. Um, probably the same can be said of a Nagelsmann, um, to a certain degree. Um, so that, that is the, the big concern. Cause obviously we know the only reason really why Thomas Tuchel got, was let go is because of the off the pitch issues, the, the, the mentality, not the mentality issues, but the way it's just basically a conflict of personalities. And I'm hoping that obviously the Tuchel experience taught talk Butskin so on something and then and hopefully taught Favre something with uh you know the way he left Gladbach and that that was a major talking point in their discussions uh over the last well essentially year year and a half to address exactly those issues in more detail so that's 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 the biggest concern is is off the pitch but that being said from a player standpoint off the pitch I believe it was Marco Reus said that uh, Lucien Favre is the coach that taught him the most of the coaches he had. Um, and, and that speaks. Well, you said that before Klopp and Tuchel, though. <laughs> yeah. But, well, but still, it, it says a lot, uh, coming from a very, and at that point, very young, very gifted player who really became the Marco Royce under, uh, Lucien Favre's tutelage. So that speaks to his interpersonal skills also with some players. Yeah, I mean, Fabian Johnson, who uh, at States International said outstanding individually and received a lot of praise from different players. Luca, if you look at Borussia Dortmund's final home match, see that the fans were like celebrating Roman Weidenfeller and at the same time basically signaling, signaling the rest of the team that want to celebrate with after a very difficult season, the Leverkusen game of banners hanging around the stadium, just showing um yeah basically the team that they're really happy with how you can really see that there are a couple of rifts in that sense do you think that Favre is a guy that can galvanize the crowd together with a with a team again or do you think that rest on someone's maybe some certain players that Favre can have a hand in that Favre actually productive that's yeah yeah I think fans will be critical of um of how he plays if he does play as slow as he um, did in parts in, in Gladbach and Nice. Although he, he's also, it's not like they, they play slow every time. They, there were some nice counter attacks from Gladbach. Some of the most spectacular goals uh, they've scored were counter attacks. But, um, to the broader uh, topic of fan and player relation or team relation, um, I think Kale uh, will have to handle a lot of that. Um, and Watzke also, in an interview with uh, Schwarzgelb, the fan magazine, also said they will uh, implement sort of um, uh, fan and uh, player interactions or talks or whatever you want to call it. And that, that just didn't really happen in the last few years. And I, I know a few people who are close to the ultras and they are complaining about that, that players don't really open up to them and I can I kinda understand why players wouldn't do that, but I also kinda understand why why ultras or fans in general are mad about that. So um I think in that regard Klopp just overshadowed a lot of, you know, tensions that were already there maybe or he was just able to, you know, negate them because he's such a big personality. 
I don't think Favre will will be that, but I don't think he has to be if um, Kiel does a good job in that regard and if they actually implement some of those interactions between fans and players. Lars, do you think that um, the uh, presence of Klopp and the way the face of the club for some time, do you think that it has a negative effect new coaches because fans maybe have grown the, the, the coach? Well, for the local fans, uh, yeah, probably. I think some who are more removed from the daily interactions or lack thereof uh, probably only care about is this team successful? Is this team playing the the football that I would like to see? Is uh, other players you know likable and whatnot? Uh, but overall, I think certainly the 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 level of identification that Jurgen Klopp had towards this club is just not normal and not not an expectancy you can hold towards basically anyone else. Uh, I do think that Dortmund's kind of blew their their shot at replacing Klopp because there were some issues with him as well uh mostly on the sporting side obviously and and Tuchel did well in those but the other factors were too hard to ignore and then they had a wasted year so this is like their their third shot to get it right and I think as Luca mentioned they they kind of hedged their bets a bit with the appointment of Sebastian Kiel in, in almost an, an intermediary role I think he's not only there to uh mediate between you know the 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 club's decision maker level and the players but also to be there as you know uh, someone fans can identify with and someone who can transport that level of identification towards the players too uh, i think that's one of his most important tasks uh, in this new role which i don't think there's actually a, a an english translation for and, and i think generally uh, they they want to remove at least to an extent the 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 head coach of the first team from having that role as someone fans have to identify or have to be able to identify with uh that i think we can also see that with uh in the appointment of Fafo who's someone who doesn't have his own staff he comes to Dortmund basically uh, a lone wolf and and the club is going to dictate who's going to be on his staff and obviously he's going to have some say in it but uh they are going to put together Uh, the people who are working with the first team, uh, besides Lucien Favre, they appointed Sebastian Kehl in this role. They, uh, added Matthias Sommer to the mix. They are removing to an extent, at least the head coach from personnel decisions on the transfer market. So all that together means to me that they've understood that they can't replace Jürgen Klopp in that regard. And they are now giving up trying to do that and rather try to build an identity that that can be viewed uh, apart from the head coaching decision. And uh, honestly, I think that's a very smart idea just because of the the nature of Jürgen Klopp. He was such a phenomenon that, that every coach being held to the standard he set is bound to fail. So I think it's uh, smart to kind of build the club up besides the, the first team head coach. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's uh, very smart. Um, actually, there are, are, are the club at least translated kills as head of player deep. how accurate that. matthias how much of an influence also in, in terms of uh, ident identification with the club will have your name number how fans a lot of won't be the same exact now as yeah i mean obviously he's he's going to be significantly more removed he's not going to be there on a daily basis uh ingrained in in all the decision making processes for for many many reasons um but given that he's a former 
captain of the club, Champions League winner, um, Bundesliga winning manager of the club. Naturally, there's going to be a massive identification from his side already. I think you already saw that, um, you know, in the match. Uh, was it against? I think it was the the last match day against Hoffenheim uh, when he was there, and and it's the process is starting. I think he's one that can give give guidance here and there, but I don't think he'll have quite the same stamp of authority that he had at Bayern or even before that at Dortmund, obviously, as manager, simply because he's more removed from the situation now. And I think he wants it that way. I think there are others there for that and to fulfill that role. Um, I think Kiel will have a more significant influence than Matthias Zama when it comes to the identification process and, and being vocal. Yeah, I, I, if if I remember correctly, when Favre was appointed uh, manager in Gladbach, that's uh, Max Ebel talking, yeah, communicator-in-chief. Luca, if I remember correctly, somewhere it lingers in the back of my mind that uh, Lucien Favre is also not the best when it comes to making uh, decisions on the transfer market. If that holds, I don't know, may maybe you have a better insight there than I do. And uh, if that's the case, do you think that Dortmund uh, basically having the perfect timing? It's, uh... No, they're, they're mostly just rumors about Favre and transfers, but it is said that he's not the best at making decisions, basically. Um But he already kind of made the first decision, and I think that's a good decision, um, that he doesn't want uh, Lichtsteiner, uh, Stefan Lichtsteiner in the team, so good. <laughs> and um, other than that, uh, like Lars said, uh, they kind of seem to have the plan to, you know, get players not necessarily who who the coach wants but who who the coach thinks he can work with but players they kind of choose not players the the coach chooses because they fell on their face or fell on their nose with that when when Tuchel kind of choose uh, uh, chose players like Schürrle Rode also some good ones but those two kind of stand out on the on the negative side of things And, um, now they, they are in charge. They choose which players they, they want to sign. But obviously when the coach says, no, I'm not going to play that player. So then they're not going to sign him because why would they? That would make no sense. But most of the decisions will probably be from, you know, the head of, head of states. And uh, I think that's, that's a good strategy because you never know how long a coach is there and players usually or hopefully stick around longer when they're kind of young. All right, we're almost an hour in. I think uh, we can almost wrap it up. And uh, before we do that, there are a couple more topics to get to. Um, first, I want to have a general prediction of what Favre will achieve or can achieve and whether he will uh, outstay his two-year contract and whether there will be an extension. You, Lars, going first. Uh, I think he's going to keep Dortmund in the top four in the Bundesliga for the duration of his contract, which uh, I think is going to be two years and then it's done. Matthias? Uh, just to be boring, I'm going to agree completely with Lars. So you're saying I'm boring? No, I'm saying I'm boring because I have nothing new to say. <laughs> Maybe you want to touch on the international side of things for Dortmund having too successful there. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I remember he had a decent run with Gladbach in the Europa League. Um, you know, those kind of tournaments are always very, very hard to see. Obviously, Dortmund will be in the group stage of the Champions League. I can't say whether they're going to get out of the group stage because we don't know who they're going to be drawn against. Um, but I do think they will 
advance to the next stage, be that Champions League or Europa League, how far they get. It's like DFB Pokal. It's down to the draw and uh, how how clubs are on a given day with injuries and so on. So I think they'll do a, they'll have definitely a better performance I think in the group stage of the Champions League what it goes beyond that uh, is up to anybody's guess at this point. All right, Luca. Uh I think Dortmund has a higher floor than under Bosch but a lower ceiling. Um and Bosch I mean it turned out the ceiling was pretty low as well, but <laughs> in theory in, in theory uh, I mean we saw him take Ajax to the to the final. Um and I I still think if they would have let him, you know, change the squad a bit that he would have been successful. But, um, I think, yeah, I kind of agree with what both of uh, Lars and Matthias said. The Champions League for the next two years and after that, uh, we'll see. Usually the, I think the third or fourth year is usually difficult with Favre. So maybe, maybe he'll be gone before that. Yeah, we'll see. I'm certainly in intrigued and I would also make the same prediction as you guys to keep the tone of boringness. Um, though I would say if we, if Favre keeps his low block defense, I actually think that uh, Dortmund would struggle, struggle quite a bit in the Champions League because I just don't see how this will work against the better team. Something else. However, I actually do think that the uh, proactiveness, the short passing spiel, which I hope then I, I think it's, it's going to help don't significantly to Together, think that are helping the Champions League level. Just as Matthias said, uh, if they think against the ball, that's Traktor Pusumo. So, so much for that. Uh, lastly, the Skype chat that uh, conceded captaincy or something. I'm recording this with a hotspot and when I think exactly. Yeah, uh, he announced, or I mean, announcement is maybe a too big a word. He told uh, the club homepage that he's going to, uh, or that the friendly against what is it, LAFC. Uh, Tuesday night, so the night of our recording, basically, uh, it will be the last match of him wearing the captain's armband. Uh, he, I think he's, he said he's, it, it's his personal decision, but I think we all know that there were a lot of rumors that Marco Reus was supposed to get the armband as a, a token of him being, you know, the, the face of the franchise, as you would say in the NFL, the face of the club. And, and I also think that uh, it's probably best for Schmelzer to be out of uh, out of the focus of all the attention. You know, he was the guy having to explain bad performances towards the the, the German TV stations right after games. Uh, by virtue of him being the captain, there was a lot of scrutiny from fans. Most of it thoroughly un unwarranted towards him, uh, who, because Schmelzer is, didn't have a great season, but he's a great guy and a great Borussia. Uh, uh, regular first team player for a decade now. He deserves much better than he got from a, a sadly large number of fans last season. So, uh, I mean, the, there's no question that Marco Reus is going to be the next captain unless he's going to be injured in preseason. And then it's, in my opinion, going to be Julian Weigel if he's still at the club. But as for Schmelzer, uh, it shows, uh, some, strength of him to acknowledge that he's probably not the best fit for this role and you know the club they will be happy with it any, uh, as well anything to add you two best solution for everyone i think yeah I, I agree completely with Lars. um right choice and i also agree completely with him that the abuse that uh, masa schmetza took in the media and specifically in social media from far too many Dortmund fans who have a far too short of a memory uh, was not just unwarranted or undeserved. It was honestly just 
sad and unfair. All right, I uh, second that or third that. I think we get a quick am- announcement to uh, Dortmund's US trip. Yes. So, um, first of all, go follow at Black Yellow, uh, the, the English language, so the US British of a Twitter account for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Borussia Dortmund today is Tuesday the 22nd, are playing in Los Angeles against LAFC. It's just a short stint. They're flying back tomorrow already on the 23rd. Uh, they will be back in the United States this summer to play in the International Champions whatever tour, uh, where I believe they will be playing in Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Charlotte, if I remember correctly. Correct. Um, so, you know, obviously if you're going to the, to the game in LA, uh, this, you'll hear this well after you've gone. I hope you had a good time, especially to those who won tickets and, uh, see if you guys can get some tickets to the matches in Pittsburgh, Charlotte, and Chicago as well. Thank you, Matthias. Uh, while you're at it, tell our listeners. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Suk. Lars? Uh, after you found Matthias, you can find me at Lars Polman. <laughs> Luca? Uh, just look for the best profile picture in the world and you'll, you'll see. At Fjordekirch. <laughs> yeah, when it's opposite, surely. Uh, you can find me at Stefan Butzko. In touch with all of us at Yellow Warpod on Twitter, also on Facebook. If you want to check out our written stuff or find out how else to subscribe to the show, which iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud go on yellowworldpod.com and to pitch in financially support our little project then uh, go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall you will find all the other details there and uh, yeah again thanks to the panel for joining me and thanks listeners downloading we will be back next week Warpod season awards goodbye <laughs>